Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. I read about a preacher who gave a very unusual sermon one day. Casting vision, he chose to use a peanut to make several important points about the wisdom of God displayed in nature. After the service, one of the members greeted him, greeted him at the door and said, you know, preacher, that was the most interesting sermon I'd ever heard. I never expected to learn so much from a nut. (laughs) I want you to know I like my humor. And I just want you to know that I'm not using a peanut, all right, today, but it is my hope that you'll learn something from a nut, all right? And talk about nuts. It's just crazy. We say it all the time, it's a quick trip, isn't it? It's such a quick trip. It's it's an incredible revelation to me. When my daughter who was born here announces to us that now she's going to have a baby. And I... uh, I've actually known this more longer than you have, and I've hated that. You know, those are the things I don't like to keep secret, but uh, it's a quick trip. It's just a quick trip, and it doesn't take long, and it's just here one day and gone. And yet I say that to say this, despite the brevity of it, we still serve an awesome God, and I believe our best days are right now and still before us. I really believe that, and I hope that you see that as I unpack this message. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go to Acts 13, the book of Acts, New Testament book, Acts 13, where it all began. The church is underway, it's just getting rolling, and yet God is doing amazing things. And I want to read this to you to help you see something because I think that so often when we read the Bible, we don't believe it's true history. Whether we want to admit it or not, I think we think it is some kind of Walt Disney fairy tale. Some really great stories there, but we fail to understand this was a real place and a real time with real people. And until we embrace that, we're never going to experience the power of God's truth especially in today's time, because what we're going to read parallels a lot of what we're facing today. We assume in the book of Acts that somehow everything was just so amazing and the gospel just spread so fluently, but we don't realize it was a pagan world. What Jesus brought forth was so countercultural. It was so different. It was so unique. It was so crazy from people's perspectives, yet a handful of people who were invaded by the Holy Spirit believed so much that Jesus was for real. And they were willing to risk whatever it took. And God was doing something crazy amazing of which I still believe he can do today. I mean, I'm just a believer of this. I think there could be a day that all of Sioux Falls are believers of Jesus. And I know there's a few going, well, that's not going to happen. And you're right, because of you. Because my Bible says, Jesus says, according to your faith, it'll be done. See, you don't believe I can do it. Can't do it. See, we want God to do what God said this. When he ascended, he said, here's the deal. I can do anything, but I'm going to do it through you. And it's going to be according to your faith. Let's see what you believe I can do. And I just believe God can do some amazing things beyond anything we can still, as Paul said, we could even dream or fathom. And he wants to. He's just looking for people who want him to and believe he can. That's what I want to talk about. So if you got your Bibles, Acts 13, Acts 13, and I'm going to begin in the 44th verse. And this opening verse is crazy awesome. On the next Sabbath, Acts 13, verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. I just want you to think about that for a moment. 
Why would a whole city want to come out and hear about Jesus, who the whole city had learned that he died on a cross, that a whole city had learned that somehow the disciples came and stole the body because that's the rumor they wanted everybody to believe. But in a room in the beginning of Acts, a handful of disciples gather and the Holy Spirit, as it was promised, falls from heaven. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, folks, it doesn't really matter what man thinks. And God and the word began to go forth. And something awesome was happening that the unsaved world said, I, I got to just see what this thing's about. That was the rumor on the street. Okay, it wasn't Friday at midnight, there's going to be some cool specials out at the mall, all right? The word on the street was, I don't know what you're doing, I'm going to church. Because something is crazy, wild, awesome about these people. And so here they are on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Now watch this, verse 45. When the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. Here's what you need to understand. When you lift up the name of Jesus, some people ain't going to like it. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But some people just like putting their head in a vice. <laughs> I don't know why. Because that, that to me, I just don't get it. Let's see. God's going to offer you things that you really, really, truly would love to have. And yet, because you don't want to humble yourself, you want to be an enemy. That just doesn't make sense to me. But there's people like that. Folks, it's happened in Sioux Falls. A few years ago, I had a gentleman who goes to a different church. And he approached me on the street. He said, you're Pastor Keith. I said, yeah. He said, you're Pastor Celebrate. Yep. He said, well, I want to tell you something. I mean, and, and that's how he said it. I want to tell you something I'm like, uh-oh. He goes, I know why your church grows. I'm like, well, I do too, but I'm interested to hear what you got to say. I didn't say that, but he goes, I know why your church grows. And he kind of, he had a, I mean, he had an attitude and he said that to me. He said, first of all, you water the word down. You just water it down. I didn't say nothing. Because I was, felt it had been wrong to hit him. <laughs> that, that thought went, th I'm human, okay. I was like, this ought to be great. Front line, pastor takes out old man, you know. And, uh, um, or even worse, front line, old man defeats young pastor, you know what I mean? So I'm not sure which was there, but I restrained myself. And I just listened. He goes, you water it down. I was like, all right, file that one. He, and I said, what's the second one? He says, you let anybody come there. I, <laughs> no kidding. I, I couldn't be quiet at that point. I said, is that what they're saying on the street? He goes, oh yeah, you just let anybody come there. And I went, that's like the most coolest thing I've ever heard. That's awesome. He did not expect that response. But I was like, that's like awesome. Right? Like anybody can do anything anywhere in life and they can come to celebrate. He goes, yep. May God keep us growing, right? I was like, wow. So, but I said, but I had to take word back. So I want to go back though to the first thing you said. Have you heard me preach? He goes, nope, never have. And I said, whoa, that's a pretty bold, arrogant statement to make about someone else when you haven't done your homework. I invite you to go to our website and you listen. We don't water the word down. I will, I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you, there's a lot of people that used to go to church here that don't anymore for the number one reason we don't water it down but I don't want them to leave. I just want you to understand, I'm not trying to build a church. I want people to meet Jesus and only the truth can set them free, not me. Fair? So you're gonna, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get critics, okay? You're gonna get critics. 
So look what it says, verse 45, when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Heaped abuse. Then Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas answered with what? Boldness. They were bold. The critics only fired them up because they know the truth. He said, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I've made you a light for the Gentiles that you bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles, I love that. <laughs> That'd have been better if y'all would have done that. Yeah. <laughs> when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Amen to that. The word of the Lord spread. There it is. The word of the Lord spread to the whole region. But the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Now look at verse 51. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And here's the key verse. And the disciples... With all that just happened, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. We live in a world that's gone haywire. Is that fair? Our moral fabric has been decaying at breakneck speed. Things that were once shamefully hidden are now publicly celebrated. That once unimaginable has now become a commonplace, and in just a few short years, things have changed. So how do we posture ourselves? So this is a message I've entitled, Posturing Rightly. How do we posture ourselves to not just be righteous, but maybe more importantly, to be effective? to make an impact that regardless of the torrent of change, we serve the most amazing, unchangeable God. And I want to show you that. And if you have your notes, I want you to take them out because I think there's three things that we need to do by way of vision. I want to share you the posture and then some things that I think we need to do physically. Here's the first thing. We need to have a spirit of optimism. I'm not talking a half glass, half full, half empty sort of mindset, heart set. I'm talking about a belief, a confidence, an enthusiasm. That's what the Bible says. They were filled with joy. Despite the torrent that was coming against them, the Bible says they were filled with joy. Joy being the substance coming from the very name of Christ, joy in the Hebrew or Greek, which is kara, C-H-A-R-A, comes from, if you will, Christ, Christos. In other words, you have Christ, you have joy. You have joy because you have Christ. You just know, despite what's happening around me, oh. See, we need to develop a spiritual swagger in the church. I, I was watching the summit and there was a, a gentleman from out of town, another team, and he was playing. Uh, maybe you saw it. They were going against SDSU, and, and he made a killer shot. Like, it was awesome. There was a little alley smack dunk. Man, it was awesome. And he hangs on the rim, hits the door, and then goes backward down the court going. I'm like, why don't we do that in the church? Why are you not walking out of the auditorium going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We need, folks, we need some, I'm, I'm going to show you this. We need some swagger. That's what optimism is. Do you know what the word hope is? It's the word optimism. I just know that I know. I will tell you this. We will not see the hand of God with a spirit of fear. We won't. Look what my Bible says. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. No fear. 
Not some, not a little. There is no fear in love. For perfect love, that's God's love, drives out fear. Do you know what that word drive out means? It means it expels it. It removes it. It eradicates it. It casts it out. We cannot have a spirit of what if in a world that's of what is. We just can't do it. We can't do it. See, I, I want you to know something. I don't know how to fix the problems. I don't. I'm, a, I'm among a huge group of pastors and every one of them are like, man, we, we don't know how to fix it. But we know the one who can. And so one of the things that I did here is I resigned. I resigned as the chair of the program committee. Like, I'm not sitting around anymore in meetings trying to figure out how to fix this thing. I really not. I resigned. I'm not the chair of the program committee. I'm now the chair of the welcoming committee. Like, I don't care who walks in the doors. I don't know how to fix it. But doggone it, I love you. Welcome. Because I, I'm going to tell you about the one who can. See, that's, what, that's where I'm at. I believe that. with all. That's optimism. I just know that God has it. I just know. Paul said, you can't operate out of a half glass attitude, whether it's half empty or half full. Here, here's what Paul said. He said, let your roots go down deep in him, into Jesus. Let your roots go down into him. Let your lives be built up on him so that your faith will grow strong, a spirit of optimism, and you will overflow. We don't need a half go. You see, we say pessimism, half empty. Optimism, half full. Mm -mm. God says, get rid of that. Won't work. I don't want you half. I want you overflowing. When I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't get a half Jesus. And you didn't either. It's time to just let it, let it overflow. I, I, how many here are NFL fans? Come on, put your hands up. How many, keep your hand up if you're a Chief fan. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs. I don't get it. Listen, like that means the rest of you are like Viking fans. If you're not figured out, they would. I don't, they're never going to win. I mean, I don't get it. So anyway. But here's the deal. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Here's the deal is, they're saying that the Kansas City-Buffalo game, the Kansas City-Buffalo game is now considered possibly, if not, the greatest NFL playoff game in history. If you didn't know it, it was the two-minute warning, fourth quarter. So there's two minutes left in the game. Buffalo has the ball. And Buffalo goes down and scores. Kansas City gets the ball, go down and scores. Remember, it's under two minutes. Clock's ticking. Buffalo gets the ball, goes back down, scores. Kansas City gets the ball with 13 seconds left and goes down and scores. Goes into overtime, Kansas City wins the game, right? Here's the, here's the deal. Most of you don't care, right? You don't give a rip, right? But the reason I wanted you to see this thing out play is because I already told you how it ends. Kansas City takes it into overtime. They go and win the game. If you're a Kansas City fan, here's my question for you. As you were watching this, were you biting your nails and one more time again thinking, oh, why not? Because you know they win. Why is God's church freaking out? When the Bible says we win. I'm just being honest. I don't get it. I don't understand parents that go, oh my goodness. What are, who would want to raise a kid up in this world? Why wouldn't you be? I'm going to show you why in a minute. Why not? Why not? Well, look at all the bad. We win. We win. See, I, I don't know if you know that when Jesus speaks, it's usually like pretty good. Um, he says, take heart. I overcame the world. When you go through stuff, take heart. When you're facing this, take heart. When you're going through this, take heart. Do you understand that all we're doing on planet Earth right now is living out the replay? We win. That's the spirit of optimism I'm talking about. 
Listen to this. I don't do what I do for victory. I do what I do from victory. You see the difference? Like, wow, God wins. I'm not freaking out about this thing. Paul wrote, for the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you to give you what? Victory. So there's two things you need to hear. And I want you to catch this because I don't think we understand. There's two things you understand. First is this. You and I are not here by accident. The whole point in the entire word of God is God wants to restore what was broken in the garden. And so none of us are here by accident. And here's the best way to ask. When the pandemic hit, which by the way, we're celebrating the two-year anniversary right now. When the pandemic, some of you go, we're celebrating it? Well, we, God wins, <laughs> all right? So uh, uh, two years ago, we didn't have church, which was a historic moment ever in the history of this country. But here's my question. When the pandemic hit, was that a surprise to God? Or did God already know it? So if God who foreknew, don't you think he foresaw who needed to be here? It, I can tell you who's not here. Daniel. I can tell you else who God didn't want here. Paul. We got a Bible full of legends, but God didn't want any of them here. He wanted you. Because he wanted the best to bring it home. We're not here by accident. Here's the second thing you know. And since we're not here by accident, then everything in our lives has eternal implications all over it. Because God doesn't do anything without eternity all over it. Because he's restoring what's broken. See, I don't know about you. That fires me up. That's why we need to posture ourselves rightly with a spirit of optimism. That's what Paul told Titus. He said, we have a hope, a righteous posture, a, a, a posture of optimism. That's what the word hope is. We have optimism because our God who does not lie promised us before the world even began. He's got it. So we need to prepare then everything we need to do. We need to prepare for what God has already planned to do all along. Because I still believe the local church is the hope of the world. See, that's why we need to build things believing rather than sitting hoping and we'll see. Okay? Watch this. Christians never say, we'll see. Because we already do. That's why Jesus said, I'm praying, open up their eyes. Open your eyes. See what I'm doing. We're sitting back going, well, we'll see. See what? It's, he's already here, folks. Amen? So let me tell you some stuff. It has to go back to the trustees. The trustees have to take a look at it and stuff like that. They, they go through all of those costs and do that. It will have to go to the members of the church because they get to vote on this. But we're going to add to our welcome center because... We need to prepare. People want a place to congregate, and we need to make sure. Our, our welcome center right now, you know what it says? Please come, please leave, <laughs> okay, because it's so small, right? So we need to, we need to add on that. Why? Because we want you to stick around. We want you to hang out. We're not, listen to this, most churches, if not all churches in this country, build their facilities pretty much for the weekend. It's what they do at a service. And then they have department for their Sunday school and the children together. And when the COVID thing hit, I met with our leadership and said, listen, we either sell this building or this building starts serving our city. I want our parking lot full every day of the week. And already we have all kinds of secular, if we'd say it that way, entities that are now renting, not even renting, using our facility. And, and we just want it full. I just want people coming in. We've got awards, uh, things coming in here. People from our bank's going to use it. You know, we got a conference. Can we use it? Yeah, absolutely. Come on. You know, we, we want people on our property. But I want people congregating and hanging out. So we're going we're gonna to build this welcome center. We're, we're going we're gonna to build a coffee shop that's not for the weekend, but it's another coffee shop in town that's open all week long. 
And, and so people can come and hang out. We have people already saying, well, man, you do that. I'm going to start having our meetings there. Can we make sure it has a meeting room? We're like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Because we have a group of young people said, listen, that's my heart and passion. We're like, we're already renting and cool in this place and heating it all the time. Let's just turn it loose. And so we have some young people said, we want to do that. And so we're going we're gonna to put this coffee shop in because we think we're launching a preschool this fall. And we've already got people that already said we want to do it. We, we, we got a great facility. And as this, if you haven't heard, by 2040, they're already telling us that Sioux Falls will be somewhere around 400,000 people. The average age of the city is under 35. It's a very young city. People getting married and having kids. So we're not just saying that. We're saying, listen, if the right people come forward, let's open up a daycare as well. Let, let's give a place that's Christ-centered and help, if you will, pouring into young people. And we have people already stepped forward and said, listen, I'll, I'll do that preschool thing. And a few people come forward and say, listen, I'll, I'll oversee that daycare. Done. We got a great facility. Let's make it happen. Let's, let's pour into our city. Let's serve them. Again, I want, I want our parking lot, man, people in it all the time. See, I, I, wanna, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Field of Dreams. It's all precipitated by a voice that says to young Kevin Costner, build it and he will come. They will come. See, you build it. He starts doing the most ridiculous thing that you can in the state of Iowa, plowing your corn under. That's just crazy. True? That's just crazy. But it's a powerful movie. But at the end, he might have to foreclose. He's in a very pivotal moment. And Terrence Mann, who's played by James Earl Jones, gets up and says these words. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will come. They'll come for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children longing for something. Oh, they'll come. They'll experience things as if they dip themselves in magic waters. Their mind and heart filled so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. Oh, people will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, and I'm adding this, has really been God's church. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard rebuilt and erased again. But church, all oh, his church has marked the time. It's marked this place. It's a part of us, Ray. It reminds us all that once was good and it could be again. Ah, oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Spirit of optimism. Here's number two. We need to take hold of then the Holy Spirit of courage. We don't need a spirit of courage. We need the Holy Spirit. We build believing because of what's inside of us, knowing and I know some of you might have to take a deep breath because when you hear the word courage, you're just like, oh, are you kidding me? Because it's been a freaked out last two years, right? I said it earlier, we live in a world that's gone haywire. Or haywire. Everywhere you turn, it doesn't sound good, does it? You turn on CNN, life sucks. Turn on Fox News, Biden sucks. Turn on CNBC, Trump sucks. Open up your Bible, he doesn't. <laughs> he don't that's why my dad calls it the idiot box you know it folks here's the deal I'll say it again I don't know how to fix the world I don't but we know the one who does and why we have a spirit of courage I, I don't know if you've ever studied the, the, the 12 step program the first three steps are the most key step one I'm powerless I can't do this Step number two, there's something out there that's greater than me. There's a higher power. And here's number three, the spirit of courage. I'm going to submit to that. <laughs> and when that happens, oh, see, see, our God, our God is bigger than our Babylon. Do you know what Babylon is in the scriptures? Babylon is all the ugly. Babylon is the word reference for all the negative, for all the oppression, for all the sin, for all those things we 
really wish would go away. That's Babylon. Do you know how to spell Babylon? It's baby lawn. It's not gigantuan. It's B-A-B-Y. It is the baby in the presence of Almighty God. Is your God bigger than Babylon, really? Spirit of courage, spirit of courage. That's that swagger. I mean, football fans, anybody here love it when your team goes into prevent defense? <laughs> prevent defense means prevent victory, all right? See, I want you to catch this because it's so important, okay? There are two things you need to understand the spirit of courage does when you step out. Courage, the Holy Spirit's going to cause you to step out. You can't sit comfortable. You got to step out because of something bigger than yourself. When that happens, here's the first thing you want to write down. Having a Holy Spirit of courage, you finally now have a proper perspective of life. Your perspective will always be skewed if you just said. You'll never see things as they really are. It's like a two-year-old who thinks waiting five minutes is a lifetime. You know what I'm talking about? You ain't even pulled in the parking lot. We're going to be here forever. You know what I mean? It's five minutes, you know? But it feels like forever. Why? They don't have perspective. But it's also why a little league parent screams at an umpire. They lost their perspective. Like you don't understand. Your kids don't care. Why do you? That was a bad call. Oh, yes. Only let's all repent now because it was a bad call. The world will be better now. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just like, really? It's why they lost perspective. You've lost perspective. And that's why we look at our world right now and people are acting the way they are is because they've lost perspective. Especially when Paul says this, for we will go through affliction. Here's what he writes. For our momentary afflictions, but there's a word in there that mostly gets left out. It's a descriptive word and it's actually in the original language. The word momentary means temporary, which means everything you and I go through is temporary. Perspective says don't lose it in the moment because the word if you will, momentary light is not just descriptive that it's not really that big of a deal. It's also where we get the word limits. In other words, your momentary afflictions, they're not that big of a deal and they really don't last that long. That's perspective. So he says, for our momentary light afflictions are producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight something of value, something of worth. And then he says these words, of glory, eternity. Did you catch that? So you get perspective and courage. Here's number two. Stepping out, you also get to see the power of God displayed. Anybody here want to see God? Holy buckets, I do. Now, some of you didn't put your hand up. No, we really don't. We just, we just, we just hope he doesn't show up. You know what I mean? The suffering, let it, may it increase, you know. Um, you know, I, some of you don't hold up your hands because you just don't want to be... Do, okay, anyway. But stepping out in courage is when you get to see the power of God. Did you know that? It's only when we step out you get to see the power of God. Here's what Jesus said. Whoever is of my church, whoever is of my church and endures to the end, like doesn't give up, I will establish them upon my rock now watch this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. When they heard these words back in Jesus' day, they would have never, ever thought the gates of hell couldn't defeat them. <coughs> they would have knew that the gates of hell couldn't hold them back. Did you catch that? Gates keep something out. These are hell's gates, not our gates. We're not walling ourselves in to keep hell out. We're out there to storm hell's gates, and they can't keep us out. Did you catch that? <clears throat> if we're going to be the church of courage, a church that steps out. I thought I had a cough drop. Does I have one over there? Thank you. I'm so excited, man. <clears throat> so, you tighten the ends more?
wow. I thought you were loosening the ends there. <coughs> I want you to listen to this. If we're going to be a church that has courage and we're going to be led of the Holy Spirit, please hear this. We have got to pass the baton on to the next generation. This church is filled with some of the greatest young people I have ever, ever met. I want you to listen. That means over the next couple years, I'm no longer going to be the lead pastor. The greatest joy for me in 23 years is what happened the four weeks before Christmas, listening to these young people stand up and communicate the word of God. If some of you are like, well, if you're not going to preach, I'm not coming. You were never coming in the first place because you were coming for the wrong reason. Nowhere in scriptures does the Bible say, and I'm going to have Keith preach and build my church on him. There'll be a day I'm dying, folks, and I'm more and more aware of that than you even realize. There'll be a day that there'll be a box in the front and there'll be this body of mine sitting in it. That's a perspective that's reality for all of us. But I care about God's church and if I'm going to be God's man and to lead it rightly, then I have to preach less and do everything I can to equip them to preach more and to pass that baton on. And I will tell you, We've got a church full of amazing young people, unbelievable young people. And I'm so excited when Timothy gets up here and preached, aren't you? I can't wait. So after Easter, you need to know for five weeks, I'm pouring everything, writing messages, doing everything I can. I'm going to equip them. And for five weeks, they're going to stand up here and they're going to shred it for Jesus Christ. And you know what I'm going to do? See, we, we've got to have that courage and believe it. And so more than ever, we're heightening our planting efforts, our multiplication efforts, and pouring into these young people. That's why we're partnering with SEU. A week from this Tuesday, in here on Tuesday nights, I'm going to be teaching on Paul's letters. Can't wait for that. Starting next week, we're taking people through the New Testament again. We just finished a class filled with young people and walked them through the Old Testament. Man. We're poised to watch God do amazing things in the years ahead. This church is full of amazing young people. Unbelievable. And you're going to get to witness it and see it. And so I'm going to be backing out of being on this stage more. But yet I'm going to be on this stage as I'm in the, in the shadows, if you will, blowing wind in their sails. And watching God just raise up as we pass on. In another generation cannot wait. Here's number three. I'm going to invite, if you will, uh, Karen to come up here to the stage. We need to have a laser-like focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where the optimism comes because we know the power. The entire story I read out of, out of Acts 13 was all, if you will, precipitated what? From the gospel. They knew that the gospel would change people's lives and they had a spirit of optimism filled with joy. They had an unbelievable courage because of the Holy Spirit. But why? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Please hear this. Our mission is not to fix the world. Our mission is not to change anything. We have but one mission. And that's to be Jesus. To tell people the gospel and let the chips fall from his hand. I have people come up to me and they'll go, Pastor, you changed my life. And I'm like, I hope not. <laughs> That's what I say to them. That's what I tell them. And they're like, what do you mean by that? And I'm like, man, if I change your life, you're in trouble. And they go, no, no. What I mean is Jesus used you. And I'll stop them and I'll say, then let's just give him the glory. Because if God can use me, he can use you. And lives will be touched all for Jesus. Amen. All for Jesus. So we're not building a church. We just want to be the church everywhere we are in our world for Jesus. I want to invite Matt Haugen to the stage.
You probably noticed a race car that's up here. Everyone would want to take it home, right? These are the coolest little things. Matt, these are your cars. There's one here, one out in the wall. So tell people what these are and what they're for. Uh, they're just... Just a nor normal go-kart, but uh, a little safer. Oh, wait, that's not a normal go-kart, okay? <laughs> it is. How many of you got a normal go-kart like that in your garage, okay? <laughs> no, it's a no normal go-kart with, uh, with a full containment seat, harness, five-point harnesses, and then they're in full safety gear. And uh, we get to rip around all kinds of dirt tracks in the Midwest. Last night, you do this right now, you're in season, and you take these young kids, you have two boys, and you were where last night? Uh, Emma, Missouri. Okay, where is that? Uh, go to Kansas City and get on I-70 and go about an hour east. Now, if people know you, the Haugen family, they see you guys like here almost every weekend. And there's a reason for that because about, uh, you drove by Arrowhead Stadium uh, where the Chiefs play what time last night? Uh, 9.22, which is early. We got out of the races early last night. So, okay. So, uh, okay. I was pretty excited about it. <laughs> So you're, you're passing Arrowhead Stadium at 922 in the evening. Mm -hmm. The weather that's happening to drive all the way back here, but you weren't driving back here so you could be in this service. This is as normal as breathing for you. Yes. Yeah, this is what we do. So I want you to catch this. If you want to write something, write this down. Passion without a God purpose is really a waste of a lot of passion. They have a passion to race. They've introduced me to uh, a NASCAR in unbelievable ways. Uh, had a privilege to go to a couple of NASCAR things with them. In fact, he has connections. I was in the infield, and I got a video. I'm in Jimmy Johnson's pit, yeah. and they come flying in, change the tires, gas. He whips out, and I'm like, <laughs> let me drive. And then I realized they, they like to win. So, um, but, but I, I could find a wall. I'll guarantee it. Um, but in, so they've got connections. So I know their passion, but here's the deal is Matt doesn't have passion for racing. His passion first and foremost is of Jesus Christ. And he wants his two boys to understand this. We don't race and church is an option. Church is what we do. Racing's an option. And so in the middle of the night, they drive through because they want their kids to know we're not wrapped up into the racing. We're here. And so driving back, there's a part of me, I can't even thank him for being here because this is as normal as breathing. There's something else I want you to hear too. There's a track possibility opening up that's much closer, mm -hmm. but talk me through it. You said something on the phone that was crazy to me. Yeah, they were, um, because there's a few tracks that are always racing on Saturdays, and so they wanted to bring up the option of racing on Sundays at noon, and which means it's not an option. He, he just wanted, he wanted in their home, they wanted the boys to know that they're opening up some tracks that are near and they'll, they'll race on Sunday, hot laps starting at noon, and they just wanted the kids to know that we won't be racing there because we want, this is the most important thing, is being a part. It's not church, it's not the Sabbath, it's this thing about God said, and we want you to understand, we live in a world that's a rat race, we want you to know that this is what we do, this is our family. You can see some of the things up there as they're running, and it's just so cool. But I, I wanted you to catch this, and I wanted you to hear this. Um, Matt, if you could say one thing to your church family, what would it be? Um, just, uh, yeah, I mean, follow your dreams, follow your passions, but just remember where to be grounded. Yeah. You know. Passion with God's purpose, and God does something amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm just so thankful. You think... Matt. Thanks, man. I want to show you one last little thing, and I'm going to close with a prayer out of the Old Testament. I don't know if you've been watching golf lately, but down in the Phoenix Open a few weeks back, there's a young man who hit a hole in one. I, I, want, I just want you to see this. We're going to throw it up on the screen. And uh, ju just watch this. 16. This just moments ago. Sam Ryder <laughs> taking it right at it. Talk to me. Come on. Oh my God. There's liquid coming down. There's beer going everywhere. We are 
believe as well. Everyone is going insane. We might have a slight rain delay here on the 16th, Jim, because it's going to take a little bit of cleanup when you take a look at what is happening right now on the 16th hole. We tell you there is no place like Like, I don't understand when I'm done preaching, you guys aren't throwing beer bottles at me. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I don't understand why you don't come in. It's like, I get done, and you're just like, ah! you know what I mean? Here's my point. That's a hole in one. But when someone comes to Jesus, when we have those baptisms, man, I want to move this church that it's never the base that the city is asking us to turn down. The decibels are because of the noise of the people that happens in this room and also in our world for Jesus. People, I'm, not, I'm just saying, this is, the be, this is the best game in the world is being on the team with Jesus. We already win. You can already put your championship ring on. We didn't even play the game. Doesn't matter. You get it. That's optimism. And that's when the Holy Spirit, we step up. It's almost like we're not even courageous. We just do because we just know all because of the gospel, because Jesus changes everything. Amen to that? Amen. He changes everything. That's why we're telling you this Easter, let, let's just go crazy. We'll, we'll add more services. People ask why the ticket's out at the barn, because there's only room for so many. And we just want to pack that out on a Sunday morning sunrise, watching it come up in a beautiful facility and watching God just show up. And we're just going to believe that God's going to do something amazing and people are going to come to know Jesus that day. This weekend, we have Exponential here, Saturday morning. I hope the whole church, I hope every one of you'd come. Nothing would be more important. What we're doing in here is we're going to listen to some incredible speakers, little nuggets of six to eight minutes of unbelievable truth, and then we talk about them, how we can implement them. But I'm going to wrap it up, and we're going to start doing something here, and it's going to begin there. That morning, we're going to have everybody here. We're going to post it note. And put names, just first names on post-it notes and put them all over the front walls on either side of people who you know need Jesus, that need prayer. And they would meet. And what we're going to do then Saturday night, from 7 o'clock to midnight, this building will be open. And we're asking everybody to show up anytime they want. You can come for five minutes, ten minutes. You can stay the whole time from 7 in the evening to midnight. Come pray over them. Find a place in the room and just kneel down at a chair and just pray. A church that prays sees the amazing things of God. A church that doesn't, we close our doors. Jesus said it, nothing happens without prayer. There's so many crazy cool things that God, I believe, wants to do. We are in our best days. They're right now and before us because that's the God we serve. We're asking you to be here. We're asking you to come. This is why our planters, all of our planters will be here Thursday night. They'll be here all day Friday. And believe it or not, folks, we believe right now where everything's going and we're hyping this incredible effort up. By the end of 2022, we have planted 46 churches that are going out. It's crazy what God's up to. And then next Sunday, so we want you here for Exponential. I hope every one of you say Saturday, next Saturday, I'm going to be here. I'm coming. I want to grow. I want to learn. God, I want to have that optimism. I want to have that courage. I want to lift up the gospel of Jesus. How cool would it be? There's just not enough room in here. It's just packed. And then we just put, we just pray. Saturday night and then Sunday morning, Monty Gannon's going to be here to preach. I, I love it when Monty preaches. Bring a towel, bring your bottled water because he's going to make you sweat and you're going to want to drink a lot of water because I love it when Monty preaches. I just love it. I feel like, I feel like Elisha, and here's what I want to pray for you. I don't want to be a big church that prays small prayers. I want to be a big church that prays enormous prayers. Elisha had made a lot of people mad, prophet in 2 Kings, and his enemies were looking for him to kill him. He's with his servant, just those two. They parked for the night at a little cabin, and history tells us there really probably wasn't any trees around it. It was in a valley. There were cliffs all around. 
and he's down for the night. When the servant wakes up the next morning to get things packed on as they would go on their way, he walks outside and the entire enemy had surrounded the cabin. They're going to die. He runs inside and he wakes up Elisha and Elisha comes out and he looks around and he turns to the servant and he says, there are more with us than against us, son. And the servant's like, what are you talking about? And in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, the Bible says Elisha prayed and here's what he prayed. Oh Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked up and behold, the mountains were full of angels on horses and chariots of fire and they destroyed the entire enemy army. I don't know what's happening in your world. There's more with us than against us. I don't know what you're going through. There's more with us than against us. I believe as your pastor, these are our best days. And when I look at our young people and I see so many of them over here, oh my goodness, the sky, the God sky limit is so before us. And I think God's going to do something crazy. Who knows? Maybe next week's Sabbath, almost the entire city shows up to hear the word of God. Our young people are worth investing in. I'm giving my life to it. I'm laying my life down for it because they're going to do things far beyond anything I could fathom because that's the God we serve. And I want to pray for you the same prayer that Elisha had. Father, I pray right now that our eyes will be open, that everybody in this room that God, that you would move in such a way. You said it. The harvest is plentiful. I just need workers. And your prayer was lift up your eyes. You prayed to God that they would be opened as Elisha. God, let him see. Let him see. Let him see as you see, as I see. What a time to be the bride of Christ. What a time to be a child of the King. Wow. May we have a spirit of optimism, a hope like never before. Because of the Holy Spirit of courage, we're going to step out no matter what. We just know. We just know that we know that you got it. We may not get it fully or grasp it completely, but you got it. And that's enough for me. And that, Lord, we understand why. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone says, amen. amen. God bless. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.